Sean Casey, Franklin Hello Academy. to Pleasant. Welcome to, to you, wherever you may be. This is 615 Press Podcast, the second came back yay yeah we still haven't fired ourselves yet i don't know how after all that rain we got last week <laughs> oh my gosh but uh, hopefully we're hoping for some dry weather this friday night i think we're kind of done with the rain for a while but a um, couple of things we'll talk about some of those games for friday night make our picks that uh, we want to discuss a little bit about a, a topic that most everybody can agree isn't really in a good place and that's the whole playoff system in this state um as you know, right now, there are six classifications in Division One. Four teams from each region are going. And a lot of people, and I think all of us, I think we all agree that that's too many. Yes. Yeah, I, I think so. Anytime that, that you have teams that don't really need to compete, uh, that's a bad word to say, but you're right, everybody though. wants to compete. You're right. You're right. But you're right. they don't need to compete. Uh, during the regular season because they already have postseason guarantees, that's a problem. If yeah. you could go out there and take a knee every single snap of the year and still make it to the playoffs, there's something something not going on there. And and used to be in and used to be in Division Two up until this year that was the case. You know they've redone the brackets in in Class A and Class AA. Actually, all three classes they've right. redone the brackets. Uh, there is one region in AA that still sends every team to the playoffs. But most often than more often than not, they've got winning records. Well, we're not very far removed. Just a couple of years when uh, it was six A, everybody in six A. I think they called it the was it the Power Thirty Two, Super Thirty Two, Super Thirty Two. Just everybody went, and I mean there was I think Lebanon that year was zero and ten. There's a couple other teams that were zero for that season that had no business being yep. in the playoffs. But I mean, but even even so, you know, if you don't, if you know, four out of five teams make it. That's still you've got a problem. Yeah, now the Super Thirty Two came not long after the what the so-called Z plan, where the teams were all ranked by their records. Like the number of wins were what got you in the playoffs, whether they're region or not. Now, if you finished high in your region, you still got got to go. But more wins you had, the better the seating you had. And I thought that personally, I liked that plan because it. It emphasized winning above all else. How did and, and you know forgive me because I I don't really recall, uh, but how did that affect the the big team scheduling? It, it did a little bit, but most of them still kind of had their traditional rivals on the schedule. I mean, you, right. but you, you didn't you didn't run into people that were scheduling lighter if if they could. That well, if they could, I mean, they might have put one or two teams on there but they couldn't overload it because you were still in regions regardless yeah you still had region games you had to play yeah it, and, and they had bigger regions like they had seven eight nine team regions yeah it's, okay. it's pretty much a, it's a wild card yeah it, it, you yeah. might have you get your certain number of teams in but right. if you're a team a couple teams below that have had good seasons but maybe not so well in the region it still gives them an opportunity to get in. Yeah. Maybe more representation from one region. And you had still had 32 teams, and they were geographically aligned after the season into four quadrants. And sometimes you had a team, say, for instance, in 2013, Hendersonville had to go all the way out to Arlington and Memphis for a first-round game, which was tough. But Arlington was in what they called quad three. 
Quad four was entirely in Memphis. Quad three was Arlington and a bunch of Middle Tennessee teams. So somebody drew the short end of the stick there. Well, any, any system that rewards victories, it rewards how you actually perform in the regular season, is a good system. Yeah. Uh, because you're rewarding, you know, good, you're rewarding play. Not existence. Yeah, the, the downfall to that system was you did not necessarily know where you stood until everything was played. Like, for instance, there was one year where they actually had to remove a team from the playoffs and replace them with another one out of East Tennessee after the brackets were already announced because they had made a mistake because there was such a convoluted tiebreak system. Oh, wow. And that was one hey, of the reasons sorry, they stopped you were, it. You're supposed to play next Friday, but you're actually uh, done for the year. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it turned out the team that they had to replace that got put in actually had to come to Middle Tennessee to play because huh. they didn't want to mess up one of the quadrants that was already established. Already, wow. So, Because it, it would have it shifted everything. So pretty much what we're asking here is that we know we know what it is right now. There's nine state champions, six in, in public school, you got three in D2 in private schools. What do you guys think are maybe better some, – some better solutions? Or, or is this ideal what we have right now? And before we go any further, I want to say that the nine state championships ties Texas. That's Texas. Now, let that sink in for a second. Texas has nine state championships. There is a lot more people in Texas than there are in Tennessee. It's a more football-crazed state than Tennessee. Yeah. And yet – the TWSAA thinks that they should be equal in championships. I certainly don't agree with that. No, no, I, I, I'd say that we we have too many. Yeah, yeah. yeah same. So, so okay, where do we go? I mean, I, I think we've been in five. Had five classes starting in 1993, and six a sixth class was added, I believe, in 2008 or 2009 in that in that general area, and we've had six classes ever since. So when I was looking at it, I, I thought of just two things overall is competitiveness and region size. So competitive is like you've got to earn your way. Yeah, right. Like we were talking about, there's there's no free passes. No. And some of these teams, you know, you might be so dominant that your season turns out to be that way, but you still got to do it. You can't just go into the year knowing, hey, you're in. And right. two, it, it's got to be these, these regions. I, I looked up some numbers. There's four regions right now in the state that have four teams in it. Yeah. There's nine regions in the state that have five teams in it. Right. I think for whatever you do, you've got to have a region with six to eight teams. Six being six the minimum. Minimum. The minimum. Minimum. Yes. And I'm not even comfortable with that, but I would think minimum. There's no reason you should have to play five games in your year if we're stay, staying with the same playoff alignment where they, they – let's be honest, they mean nothing. I mean, yep. se- several several instances. Yes, you're playing tough teams or whatever, but overall, it it doesn't mean a thing. And your yeah, overall record can come into play with a tiebreaker here and there, but it's so rare that it rare. doesn't doesn't happen much. So, so we're looking really at a, around 295 to 297 teams, uh, depending on uh, you know where you look in public, uh, right? In public, okay. yes, in in public. Now we'll add another one, I think, in a couple of years, and I think there may be even another one come down, mm-hmm. but. You know, truthfully looking at it, I think five classes, in my opinion. Now, remember, this is my opinion, and this is this has as much, you know, authority as nothing. <laughs> um, but I like the five classes with eight regions per class. 
because that ends up with about eight to nine teams per region, which means half go on to the postseason. That means that your region games mean something. That means that the region games between play between teams that aren't making the playoffs matter mm-hmm. a lot of times because that's going to affect if there's a win, an upset here or there, that's going to affect. So that means all games matter for the most part. And I think if you do that, uh, you're you're real you're still talking about you know, you take your top four, so there's eight, 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 and eight. There's your 32 right there. Boom. Yep. I kind of think that if you're going to have a 32-team bracket, that you have to have enough depth in the regions to make that happen. So if you do go to five classes, you can't really even have 16 regions. I think it's got to be seven minimum. Yes. Because I don't think rewarding a fourth-place team in a 16 region is a good thing. Well – and, and here's another here's another side effect of that is that as teams begin to you know if you're on a perennial uh, you know at the bottom of a certain region here or there you're going to evaluate your program and a lot of these programs right now that are just hanging on for dear life may decide to reevaluate and maybe that football is not that important to them uh, then you you run you know. It basically, it just gives you options and, and lets you really see what you really where you really are with your program. Yep. So for me, I would like to see you go back to four classes personally. Wow. And, and deepen the re, deepen the regions, and you can take your top four from every region, and it'd be a pretty strong class. But if we're going to have five or six classes, I want to go in a different direction. I want to take the top three. Okay. And give the region winner a buy. It incentivizes winning your region above all else. It yeah. really limits the number of losing records that get in the playoffs, which is, I think, the number one problem in this state. You know, they, there shouldn't be three and seven, two and eight, one and nine teams in the playoffs at all. I, right. To me, and this may sound bad, they don't deserve to be there with that kind of record. I mean, because, because it's so heavily weighted on the region record, it's going to happen every now and then. Right, but it's a it's a black eye on the state when you have one win teams making the playoffs. Now, and and I realize there are regional issues here. Oh yeah, and and, and that that creates you know that, and I can't tell you, and you may have to enlighten me as to the reason they went to nine. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, they went to six classifications, um, b- because. I really trying to struggle to understand why we, why why Tennessee is matching Texas. Let me roll back for just a second. It's the number two problem in this state having one or two win teams. The first problem is geography. This state is not laid out well for it at all. I mean, you're right. going to have when you have teams up in the Tri Cities area, Knoxville, Chattanooga, then you've got Cookville, Nashville. Jackson, Memphis, and you've got some bare areas where they don't know where to put these teams because they're so far out of the way that, that, that there's no close region games for them. And, and, and I know that travel is one thing that the TSSAA takes into account yes. as far as cost uh, on, on programs. And, again, that's another thing where a program would have to evaluate how important participation in football is. And I'm not trying to and, – and I know that I've taken that stand of – you know, if you don't have enough players or that, maybe you should reconsider. I'm not saying that 
small schools should give up their sport. I don't. I think that small schools are a backbone of high school sports. I really do. Yep. And I want to see them succeed. I just don't want to, A, see kids hurt, and, B, see people put themselves see people put uh, themselves in positions where it's not tenable or where they're struggling. And, and it just doesn't make sense. Yep. I think travel's got to be a – that's a, maybe one of the bigger – Subjects when you're thinking about different classifications, because you got to remember the 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 kind of thing is with so many of these schools might have lost it a little bit with some of these bigger programs, but the small schools you talk about is just the community involvement. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes when you lose it is when hey next Friday go follow your team they're in Memphis or hey next yeah. day, catch your team in action because sometimes that's the cool thing of home games are fun but going on the road or nice road trips with your buddies. Sometimes it's hard to do when you go two and a half hours to Chattanooga or yep. wherever you're going. And I get that, but I also understand these small schools are also some of the most traveled schools yes. too. Yeah, I mean you can. I I can see. I see empty stands at a D two game that would be full if this were a class three game. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I, I know fans. I know it just depends on how strong. Football is ingrained in your culture, in your area. Yeah. All right. So, for me, I want to go back to four classes and take the top four from each region. And you still have your 32-team bracket. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have to go and keep five or six classes, then maybe consider taking the top three. I really like your idea because it, it really incentivizes winning. Yes. It, yeah. you you got to produce. One thing that – that I, I struggle with sometimes is especially I think sometimes region games are not people don't value them as much about mm-hmm. I think we just we mentioned it on the last episode with uh, CPA yeah you know it's a, it's a team that's gone out and they have they have gone out and worked hard to play teams that are probably better than them and that they're gonna get in the playoffs because they've, they've won their region game so I don't know. It's tough to go along all this time and saying region's most important, region's most important, and all of a sudden be like, well, just just win as many games as you can. And that, and that's where I think this is a little bit better than the Z plan because they did go out and schedule tough. And we've heard about how well, how come these you know these teams never play each other? Well, if if it's all to, on total wins, and I'm CPA, there ain't never. no way I'm scheduling Ravenwood, right? And there ain't no way I'm scheduling any any of the other tougher schools. It's not going to happen. But I'm still – and I understand what you're saying, and, I, and I'm not disagreeing, but because of geographical problems that the state faces, I think five is probably a little bit easier to like deal five. with just simply because you're going to have some areas where you're going to have to have gaps. And I think having that extra classification is going to help ease some of that geographical problem. That's that's fair. Uh, Division two, uh, we're not talking as much about them. They're currently at three classes. They need to go back to two. Two, yes, exactly. And the numbers almost Just, are, are aligned perfectly. To do it almost an even split. They're all oh, yeah. they're at forty seven, I think, right now. Yeah. Well, I there mean, are fifty. There are fifty teams in six A. Here's forty seven in all of Division two. Yeah, yeah, and and AAA, I think, is doing a good thing this year. Only taking eight to the playoffs, an eighteen bracket. Take your four from east, four from west, and, and put them in. Yeah, I, it, it's created some intrigue. It's created a little bit of a, a 
bigger sense of urgency, and I think that some of these late-season games now have more meaning considering a team like Brentwood Academy may not make the playoffs. Yeah. Right. I, but I think if you go to two, you know, 24-1, and one, you put 23 in the other, maybe a 16-team mm-hmm. playoff. I wouldn't even go there. I'd, I'd go 12. Yeah, I, I, I did say – basically what I did was I combined AAA uh, and AA, and then I moved seven out of AA. So and I would pick the seven smallest enrollments and move them into single A. They become the top end of the single A uh, bracket. And, you know, it basically just split it into two. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's something that everybody talks about. There's too many classes here. And I mean, it's got to, there's got to be a bigger discussion about this at some point. I mean, it, and if we can help start that discussion, I think it's nothing but a good thing. But I, I find it hard for them to, hard to believe at least, for them to ever say, well, we made nine. Let's go back to seven. Yeah. No, yeah that's, it's that, like once you go there, you're never going back. And the biggest stumbling block there is the money that it's creating for them. And Honestly, that's – yeah. That and, you know, and and the fact that it's just – there's a lot – you know, you're, you're creating extra – When have we ever said in the history of, well, we could do with less football. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. 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 Wait a minute, yeah. what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> but let me pose this to you. You know, you do scale back by one classification – and you do create some better first-round playoff matchups oh, yeah. and possibly bring in a bigger gate for those schools. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Now and maybe recoup some of those losses because Tita wants to get some of that money anyway. Right. And, hey, you get good enough games, and you, you can move it out of uh, Cookville and you can move it into Murfreesboro. Or you can move, you know, you can move it into Vanderbilt, but right now you can't. Last train to Clarksville. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Now, now we're talking. Hey, now we're talking. monkeys reference. Hey, <laughs> but uh, not, it's it's certainly a discussion that's going to continue as long as there are nine classes that are in this state. And when we get to the Blue Cross Bowl, it'll come up again that there's too many games. When you have three division two games on a Thursday afternoon, and those stands are pretty much empty. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because. In a way, this reminds me of the uh, – we're going to roll over into college for a second. There are too many bowl games. Yes. There are too many bowl games, too many bowl games. You know, everybody says it until their team is actually in a bowl. Let me tell you, the Popeye's Bahamas Bowl didn't care anything about it until Western made it, and then I was all over it. Yeah, so. yeah I mean, that's a good point. It's a good point, but, you know, the scarcity is a good thing in a lot of ways. I, I agree. From the, you know, From the casual fan aspect, not from the – Follow, you know, the, the follower. But from the outside looking in, I get it. Too many teams waters down the product. Yep. And it makes it less meaningful. Yeah. But Make, Making the playoffs should be an accomplishment, not just a, a box to check off. Right. I mean, it, it should be something that, you know, you earn a playoff spot. It should be a big deal. But it's not because there's more than 60% of the teams are getting in, you know. Right. But yeah, that's a, that's a discussion that we'll we'll continue to keep having, and um, you know once we get closer to the blue, blue cross, but we may wind up talking about it again. Who knows? But, uh, but I guarantee somebody will. Yeah, this, it'll get it'll, <laughs> it'll get brought up. It'll get brought up for sure. But uh, let's take a break real quick. Uh, we'll come back with who you got. This is the six one five preps podcast. Hey, just a reminder that Mid State Preps Plus is looking for you. We currently have openings for sponsors on both the Mid-State Preps Plus website and the 615 Preps podcast. Contact us at midstatepreps at gmail.com for more details. Hi, I'm Zach Herbstreet. I play tight end for Montgomery Bell Academy, and you're listening to the 615 Preps podcast. Back with you on the 615 Preps podcast. 
it's that time of the week again where we try to figure out who's going to win and you can vote with us or against us. We really don't care. It's time for who you got. <laughs> yeah, let's pick them. <laughs> Before we do, let's get to last week's results. Christian composing, congratulations. Eight and two last week. Thank your best you. week of the year. It's about time. It's about time. The overall record at 45 and 35. So you're getting away from average, which you, is you good. You could have just stopped at eight and two. <laughs> <laughs> I did have to go there. I'm sorry. Um, Scott, seven and three. Oh, I'm not. Twitter voters went seven and three as well. Hey, man of the people. And then here I am sitting at five and five. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it happened. You said that out loud. That's uh, what I'm impressed I, with. I, I went to average this week. So. Can, can I just hear everybody else's overall since we had to share mine? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Yeah, definitely. 53 and 27 for me. Scott's four games behind me at 49 and 31. The Twitter voters at 51 and 29. And you're Once, again, yeah, yeah, yeah. Once again, the people are smarter than me, but we all knew that. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So without further ado, we get on to oh. the picking. And we'll begin on Thursday night, Hillsborough at Cane Ridge. Now, I think this has a chance to be an entertaining ball game. I'm, I'm not buying it. I think the Ravens roll in this one. I just think it's too much offense. 43 points per game in their five-game win streak. I think Hillsborough is just ready to get out of this tough stretch. Had Pearl Cone, Beach, and now Cane Ridge. And Hillsboro, those last two against Pearl Cone and Beach, they've given up 82 points. Uh, so 41 points per game in those. I just think Clemens and the trio of receivers they have at Cane Ridge, I just think it's too much for the Burrows. See, I, I disagree. I think Hillsboro's coming in off a of bye week. They need to interrupt the two-game losing streak before they go to two winnable region games to finish. But this is a game they need to win to prove themselves they can compete on the level of teams they're going to be seeing on the road like a Summit or a Columbia or whomever they play. And they can put points up. The team they've lost to, Innsworth, Gallatin, Pearlcone, Beach, they're all really, really good. Um, Cane Ridge also off a rest week. They'd like to continue their five-game win streak. I think it's going to be a test for them. You know, four of the last five opponents have been – are having down years. I think it's time to see if this Ravens defense is for real. I'm going with the Burrows in this game. Mm. I agree that Cane Ridge is the better team here. Uh, I do think that Hillsborough will keep this close for a while. Uh, we might see a few points put up in this one. I think there may be some breakthroughs for, for both sides. But uh, in the end, I do like Cane Ridge to take this win and, and keep rolling. Um, Stewart's Creek at Lebanon. Well, Stewart's Creek's playing very well. Their offense is averaging 36 uh, points a game. They've got some solid victories over Clarksville and Mount Juliet. This is going to be a good test. Uh, their D is only giving up like 13 points per game. You know, it's a Jelks and, and Shannon game. It's going to be a ground game. I think they cancel each other. I think it's going to be close, but I like Stewart's Creek in this game. I agree. I, I think you look at Lebanon from afar. They're four and three. If you take a deep dive into their schedule, you can really figure out some things about Lebanon. They scored 80 points in two games against McGavick and Station Camp. Their other five games, they scored 84 points. Their defense – Seven points given up against McGavick and Station Camp, 28 points per game in the other five games. I think those two wins that they've had is kind of an outlier and it kind of – it doesn't give you a clear view of who the Blue Devils are. And I just think for Stewart's Creek, offensive explosion the last two weeks and good luck stop, uh, stopping Amari Jelks. Yep. Same. I mean, Amari Jelks, I, I'm curious to see just how many yards he ends up with. He's been such a key cog in that offense all year. And I think Stewart's Creek's – keeps on building momentum toward what should be their first ever home playoff game with, with a win. It's not a reaching game, but the momentum will still help them for the end of the year. 
So I'm taking Stewart's Creek as well. Maplewood at Nolensville. This is a key game in Region 4 and Class 4A. Nolensville is basically a team that nobody's really talking about despite being 7-0. and uh, Maplewood kind of needs this to have a shot at a home playoff game. But I think Nolensville's just been too good so far, and I think they continue it. I agree with you. Maplewood, three wins this year, but those three wins, those teams are combined for five wins on the year. And I just think Nolensville, the defense especially, they've given up less than six points a game. They've just been they've been swarming their opponents. I think it's going to be a big night for Ryder Gallardi, their quarterback, and it's an opportunity for Nolensville to clinch a home playoff game with a win. Yeah, give me the uh, Gallardi, the Kutras combo. And Kutras plays really good defense as well, and I think – that's going to be the difference here. Um, but if that's not their n- enough, th- they can counter Alex Broom, Maplewood's Alex Broom, with uh, Ryan Pistolka. And I think that uh, – I think Nolansville takes this one. Okay. Page at Columbia is the key game in, in 5A in Region 5. Um, we saw Page last week. Uh, my thing is can Columbia slow down Bubba Johnson enough and not let Cade Walker get out and hurt them on the edges? I think it's a battle of the backs. It's Bubba Johnson for Page. It's Christian Biggers for Columbia. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Columbia. I just saw Page. I've got questions about their defense. If Columbia can, can start and control the line of scrimmage from the get-go, especially being at home, I think this makes Region 5, 5A, if Columbia wins it, and I think they do, I think it makes it a really interesting picture down the stretch, possibly get Summit back into the picture of uh, maybe winning that region. As far as Columbia goes, they've, they've won the games they're supposed to win, but they haven't done a whole else. They, they've struggled to score points in the region. Page, on the other hand, they've challenged themselves. they got a tough schedule. they fared well. You know, I think this is going to be a Bubba Johnson game. Uh, I think Page actually wins this game. Now, for me, it comes down to is Columbia the team that they are for the last couple of weeks or is it the team that we saw earlier in the season, the one that struggled with Spring Hill, the one that struggled with Dixon County, and the one that got basically beaten up by Summit. If it is that team, Page wins this easily. If it's not, then, yeah, Columbia, I think, has a chance to win it. I do think in the end it's going to come down to, like I said, whether you can slow down Bubba Johnson and not let Cade Walker hurt you in the edges. I don't know that Columbia can do that. And I'm going with the Patriots in this one. Yeah. Stratford at East Nashville. Uh, yeah. You know, a home game, playoff game, I think, is on the line here. Uh, and Stratford, boy, they, that back James Moore that they have, two weeks in a row he's really played very well. 239 yards uh, week before last, 269 yards last week in the last two games. But they've not played a defense like East Nashville. And I just think that they're going to sh- shut – Stratford down. I think this is going to be a, a low-scoring game, but I think East Nashville takes this one. Yeah, I think Stratford's a team that's just kind of all of a sudden snuck up on us in the in the year, and offense just kind of exploded on, during their four-game win streak, averaging 40 points per game. Defense really, too, for Stratford, not bad, just 18 points. Mm-hmm. But I think you, you mentioned that East Nashville, the defense are playing, and especially coming off of the bye after the Pearl Cone loss that you were at. Yep. I think it's a determined East Nashville team that gets this win. Yeah, it'll be a statement for them to to be able to hold a runner of James Moore's caliber in place. I think Moore's going to get his, but I think it's not going to be enough to hold off East Nashville on this one. I like the Eagles here. And I and 
talking to Coach Brunetti last week, he was worried about Stratford. And, uh, so nobody's taking anybody lightly in that division. I don't think East Nashville takes them lightly. We go to 4A. Portland at Springfield in, in a critical game for that region race. It, it really, and I, I wanted to bring this up, I did some math that that region could be so convoluted, there could be a five-way tie for second place if it falls the right way at the end of the year. That's oh, that it. didn't happen. I can't do that much math. <laughs> he, he's a man of the people, y'all. He's doing your math for you. Uh, but you know, for me, Portland. So check his figures. Port, Portland, I'm concerned about whether uh, Caleb Mandrell can play. And Oh, that's a big one. If, if, he, if he's not able to play, this is a big loss for Portland, and Springfield will be able to take advantage of that. I kind of have a feeling if he plays, Portland has a very good chance to win this game, but that, that really worried my pick hinges. I'm going to go with Springfield here. I think Springfield's a better team. It's just a matter of how close can this game be. I was waiting him to give us a to-be-determined. Only if. Springfield winning games, averaging 32 points a game. When they lose, 10 points a game. Won all four meetings since these two teams have been placed in the same region. And it hasn't been close. Springfield's average margin of victory between Portland been 31 points a game. I think it's a lot closer, but I go, I'm go. i still staying with uh, Springfield. Yeah, you know, they missed an opportunity to put a stranglehold on the region. You know, now they're on a two-game losing streak, and they've struggled for points. But, boy, the unknown of Caleb Mandrell hanging over this thing. Um, if, if he were guaranteed, I would be taking Portland. Since he's not, no way. I'm going Yellow Jackets. All right. Let's kind of stay in that region. Uh, the other team that's kind of factoring in Creekwood, uh, they travel to White House. This is essentially the last stand for White House. They lose this game. They're done as far as the playoffs are concerned. Yeah, their season's really snowballed after a 3-0 start. It's just kind of gotten out of hand. And it's, a, it's against a Creekwood team. They, they put up a lot of points on offense. I, just, I think that offense from Creekwood is going to be a little bit too much for uh, White House in this matchup. And, it's unfortunate. White House, really good start, and all of a sudden that, that their meat of the schedule hit, and they just have not been able to regain their footing. Well, you know, when we reviewed this team at the beginning of the year, White House, uh, we knew that there were going to be some holes they had to fill. They were probably a couple of years away. Uh, I still think that. I think they're building. Uh, but this is not their year. Creekwood, you know, they're an overtime loss from being perfect. Uh, I'm going with Creekwood here, and I don't, I don't think it'll be close. Yeah, uh, Creekwood has a lot to play for in, in these last three weeks. I mean, they've got White House, Portland, and Springfield to go. They can't overlook White House and look at Portland and Springfield. They, they have a region title shot in hand, and they've got to be careful this week just because White House is going to be extremely desperate, but I don't think it's going to be enough. I'm going to take Creekwood here, and I think that uh, the Red Hawks you know, keep things going in the right direction. Next up, Brentwood at Franklin. You know, Brentwood, they've won the last two meetings in this this series, and they've been really close games. Franklin, not the same team this year, but I think Brentwood kind of knows what's at stake. That win against Independence all but kind of seals their fate. If Brentwood can continue on the path, I'll say this. I think Franklin gives them a scare. I think it's a one-score ball game close at the end. But I think the Bruins win it uh, when it's all said and done. Seven points per game in the region. That's what Brentwood's giving up. Uh, 11, uh, I think it's almost 12 points per game on the 
on the season if my math holds. But thankfully, Chris is doing the math, and I'm just over here writing stuff down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Franklin can score points, and I agree. I think Franklin comes out and gives them a scare. But I think in the end, Brentwood is just too much for the Rebels to handle. Other than the Dixon County game, Brentwood has 49 points in region games this year. Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily piling it up on point on other teams. I'm not going to go so far as to say that I put them on an upset alert, but Brentwood had better be on their A game if they were going to get away with this one because Franklin needs this win to to keep a, a playoff board alive. And That last win for Franklin was huge against Centennial. It was. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, but it doesn't get them out of the woods. You know, they're still a couple of losses away from being – done so you know franklin it, it's a rivalry game a huge one at that franklin keeps it close for a while but i think brett would in the end makes it probably a two-score game and franklin's played a, two of the three region games have been one point games beat yep. centennial 42 to 41 lost to independence 28 27 that they went for two on that one right so, so it's franklin's a, a good team they might be three three and four on the year but they're really competitive in a really good region the next game up, we're actually looking a little bit ahead to next week. Gallatin could be undefeated. Beach could be undefeated. But the Green Wave cannot be looking ahead to next week because they're hosting Hendersonville this week in a long-standing rivalry. And you know the Commandos want to go in there and, and make some noise. Yeah, it's going to be a big test for both teams. They, uh, the Commandos love to get to 500. You know, and other than the opening Oakland loss, they've been in games. They should be a game or two better than their record shows, honestly. You know, Gallatin coming off the bye week, and they've had some trouble scoring. My question is, is Isaiah Briscoe going to be back this week? That is the question. Um, Because if they don't, they're one-dimensional. That means more – well, I'm not going to say they're definitely one-dimensional, but it doesn't help them. You know, now Hendersonville Hendersonville can focus on Briggs, stopping him. Uh, You know, will – but the the whole question is, will they need to? Because Gallatin's pitched four straight shutouts. Right. And, you know, five on the season. That defense is no joke. Yeah. This is difficult. I'm going commandos here. Ooh, Ooh. going with the I think here. that – I think Hendersonville is better, and I'm also hedging that Briscoe may not be there. How things have changed. Hendersonville won, has won the last two against Gallatin, and yep. then all of a sudden it just, it's flipped upside down. Yeah, as you mentioned, just the defensive numbers are crazy. Four consecutive shutouts, five total, twenty-one points all year for mm-hmm. Gallatin. I just, I don't, I don't see how Hendersonville musters up an offense against the defense of of the Green Wave. Yeah, I think this is going to be extremely low scoring as well. Gallatin, twenty-one points up all year. For me, it boils down to maybe Briscoe plays, maybe he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, I don't know that uh, that Gallatin still doesn't win this game. I could see it being maybe a 14-7 game. If if they were to shut out Hendersonville, it would be some, quite something else. Yeah. But uh, I, I see Gallatin winning this game again just because I think Spencer Briggs is going to do enough. Hendersonville's defense, not exactly that vaunted, and I think he will exploit them even if they put nine in the box. And it's so, so hard for the Green Wave not to look ahead just a bit. For beach, it is. It's so so it, hard. It, it is, but if you if you've been around that rivalry, you see Hendersonville coming up on the bus. You ain't working toward next week. You know yeah. what's in front of you. Yeah, but Hendersonville gave that game against Beach away. They did. Hopefully, it's true. They've learned, and if Gallatin is on the same par as Beach, 
I'm thinking Hendersonville, if they play the good a good game and don't make any mistakes, they very well could take this game. But that that to me is a mighty big if. Hendersonville shot themselves in the foot a couple of times this year. I, I think they'll do it again. Uh, just I think they'll do it again. Oh, Galton will win this game. Who am I to argue? Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> One more, and it is our game of the week, and it's a big one in Rutherford County. Riverdale travels to Oakland. Scott, um, I want you to start this one out for us. Oh, wow. I'm looking forward to this one, actually. Um, Oakland's given up 6.4 points per game, uh, a little under six in the region. They're a juggernaut on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, I'm sure eventually somebody's going to give them a game. This is not the week. Riverdale, they need this game to have a, a home playoff game, but I don't think they're going to get it. Um, I just think that Oakland right now is just too strong. Just some couple crazy stats. Oakland, they've won 36 consecutive home games. They've not lost a home game since 2014, which they lost to Maryville in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. That's nothing to blink at. Right. And let's bring this up. Riverdale had a 22-3 to lead over Blackman. Yep. Blackman – Came back and won it 23-22. Well, guess what? Oakland just beat Blackman by 40. <laughs> <laughs> Give me Oakland. Big, 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 big. There's really no discussion here. I think Oakland is the best team in the state, bar none. And until further notice, I'm picking Oakland until yeah. somebody can tell me that they can beat them. Yeah. It's an opportunity for Riverdale to make a statement, to prove everybody wrong. And, you know, more power to them if they can because they'll do what nobody's been able to do at Oakland since 2014. I would, I would, I would give them all the praise if they do that. But hey, I just yeah. – you can't – it's one of those things. You can't do it until hey, you see it. Hey, if Riverdale comes and beats Oakland, we'll leave the next show off with them. That is – Absolutely. Sure. For sure. And they'll get their props for no doubt if they can pull this one off. But Oh, yeah. You know, the three of us, we all agree that we think Oakland's going to win this game. We'll see Friday night, and uh, hopefully you all get out to the game Friday night and enjoy it. Hopefully the weather cooperates and uh, we don't get rained on again. But uh, until next week, for Christian Capozzi, for Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Join us next week, and have a great weekend. See ya. Holder. Five Preps Podcast is a production of B-Square Media, LLC.